All right, let's let's get this boat on the road. All right, as long as you don't drive the bitch, Dan. <laughs> that is a fact. I don't know. Dan keeps wanting to go out. Dan, so. Dan, next summer I got to get on the boat with you, Dan. I got to see what we'll see, talking about. I'm this taking the boat out on Sunday. Yeah, this is Florida. All, all, oh, all right, let's do the damn thing. All right, bro. Well, that's my vegan mac. Hey, babe, bring me up some of that vegan mac and cheese. Bring me up a plate of that. Three, two, one. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. This is your boy at 35, All American. And I'll wait till it's my time to talk about the game again, Dan. <laughs> Very patient, Dan, at 35. How y'all boys feeling today, man? We fresh off a win. Hey, man. It's Victory Monday. Victory Monday. And uh, I'm enjoying my, my Victory Monday. What about you, Dan? Uh, you know what? I love Victory Mondays. They're starting to become a thing I'm getting used to again. Uh, but I, man, I had a good weekend. Got to spend some time with the other uh, family down in South Florida. Got to come back on Saturday and just uh, just kind of relax and hang out for uh, the next couple of days. So it's been nice to be back. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little nostalgic, but it also feels nostalgic in a way where I got to find things to complain about, and I got uh, I got a nice little laundry list of uh, very good. Just wait till it's time to talk about the game, though. Yeah, good problem. Yeah, you, can't, you can't do it. You can't do it too early, man. All right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know the vibes. You, you know how Dan like to do Dan. Dan like the pod, so Dan, Dan ready to get that off his chest. How was How was y'all turkey day? How did y'all spend the day? Uh, the highs and the lows. What won the kitchen for y'all boys? Uh, I had a I had a blast. We uh we had family come over to my mom's house, so we all uh met in Lakeland and uh enjoyed our time down there and um. It was the stuffing for me. They made it from scratch, and uh, my my aunt sat in in the kitchen uh, Wednesday night, and, and had my wife and, and and my mom and them in there learning how to make it, and uh, it's warming me over. What about you, Dan? What kind of what kind of bread do they use? Uh, Dan, I don't even know. I can't listen. I, I wasn't in the kitchen, Dan. I said my wife was in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm gonna stop you there before you get in more trouble. You know. Um, but no, dude, I, I had a great one. I had a great Thanksgiving. It was good. I was down in South Florida um, just with my family and, and uh, brother and, and sister-in-law and their two kids. Uh, so it's awesome to be down there. Um, what one Christmas, the reason I ask Ahmad is my mom makes an unbelievable cornbread stuffing. It's been a family recipe okay. for, for decades, right? Like it's in the okay. family book and all. So that was incredible. And then my brother made this non-vegan mac and cheese like Silk Likes. Um, and it was like the most rich thing I've ever had in my life. It's one of those things. And I'm sure you guys have had this, like you take four or five bites of it and you're like, man, that was delicious. But anything more than that, you're just like, man, it's too heavy. Uh, so shout out to my brother for his Mac and cheese, but, uh, dude, it was just good overall. Everything worked out and it was good to just kind of spend a relaxing, uh, time at home. Definitely. All right, man. That's what's up. Um, a lot of the same for me. I went to my mom's house, kicked it there for a little bit with the fam. Uh, nothing big or extravagant, just my family and them. And then uh, my sister was doing her own thing. So I swung by there, 
And then I came back home. That was it. Not a whole lot. I would say uh, my dad did a seafood boil. Mm. And, um, he also did a, a vegan dressing for me. You know what I'm saying? So I was in my vegan bag. The traditions are changing a little bit for me for holidays and whatnot, dog. But uh, the seafood was good. We had some snapper. We had some some salmon. Um, we did it. We did it big with the seafood. So um, what what lost the day for me is the lack of sweets. There was not uh, an abundance of sweets that for for us this year. Uh, somebody dropped the ball. Are we going to name names or? You can't you can't be having this imagining who dropped the ball, man. You gotta tell us who dropped the ball. They may be listening to the show. Yeah, she don't listen to the show, so I'm cool, but she dropped the ball. I was looking forward to that. But other than that, man, I had a good time. Got to go see Benji Brown on, on Friday. Uh that was dope. Give me a shout out on stage. So I had a good weekend. Got kicked with my guys, family. You know. I love it. I love it. Um, speaking of which, uh, we were having this debate when we went to uh, to Publix on uh, on Wednesday with my uh, went with my parents. What do you guys? What's your like traditional Thanksgiving pie? Are you guys pumpkin pie people or other type of pie people? Sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potato, Dan. Okay. See, okay. I'm like. I'm a big apple pie fan. I like. I do like sweet potato pie. That's never usually an option uh, at the house, but I, I am anti pumpkin pie. I don't think pumpkin pie is very good. Uh, I've been tricked. They were flabbergasted. All right, so all right, so listen, all right, <laughs> listen. So, so my cousin's girlfriend made some like little mini pumpkin pie things, and I'm not a pumpkin pie fan either, there. But then she put the whipped cream on there, and then there was like some other little stuff she put on there, and it's like a little bite, and you like, okay, but that shit was good as fuck. It was you good know, as you you know oh, what it is? Maybe it's because like the taste is the exact same for so long that if you can give me like a bite-sized piece of it, maybe I just don't get like now. No, I only had I only had one one of those though, so I couldn't really. I know, it but messed, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad though. Track. I get it. Yeah. All right, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what my beef is with the pumpkin pie. Like at first, I uh, it, it probably would have been okay, but it looked like a sweet potato pie. So when I bit into it. Like, like it, it messed up everything for me because my expectation was a sweet potato pie. So I was bamboozled. I just never been a fan ever since. Yeah, I um I, I'm a big apple pie guy. That's that's my thing. A Dutch apple pie, whatever it is. Um, man, I'm a big apple pie. Pecan guy. pie is my my bag, but my family's bag of, of pies. That the big thing is sweet potato pie, but pecan pie is my favorite pie. I'm a big caramel guy. So I've always really liked you, but I, I even like you more that you, you pronounce it the proper way, pecan and not pecan, like the uh, the hoi polloi of the world, you know? Oh, no, I can't pronounce a lot of shit, but I got pecan down. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, hey, guys, speaking of pecans, uh, we're going to be in uh, in Atlanta in a few weeks. No, I'm uh, so excited, man. Uh, shout out to the boys from Maine to Atlanta. We get to uh, go celebrate and network and do some business in the city of Atlanta. Um, we hanging out a little bit, Dan. What we got in store? Yeah, let's let's chat a little bit about it. So I think we're gonna get three of the four stadium and uh, Gale crew up there, uh, but we're gonna uh, start off by in a big sky up in Buckhead. Just 20, 25 minutes, not even that far, 15 minutes outside of uh, downtown Atlanta. 
awesome bar right in Buckhead, brand new. I think it's about a year old, multiple levels. Uh, we're either going to get the front patio or the upstairs patio, depending on uh, you know, weather and everything else. But it's going to be an awesome event. It's going to start at five, probably go until about eight or nine. We're going to be giving out drink tickets. We're going to be hanging out. Uh, we're going to do a live show there, a live stream. We just want everybody there to just come hang out, drink on us, drink with us, uh, grab some food. It's an awesome place. They're big uh, Gator fans and uh, and UGA fans over there. So it's a nice, nice little mixed bag of, uh, of ownership over there. But they're super excited to welcome us uh, to the bar on Friday afternoon and early evening. And then on Saturday, we're going to be at the Trap Music Museum. And I know we're waiting on some details, Silk. On, uh, on that in attendance there, but we're going to be doing a live stream from the Trap Music Museum uh, at from 8 a.m. to about 11 a.m. And then we're going to get to hang out with some of our favorite rappers of uh, some of their memorabilia. And then right after that, a few hours later, we're going to go to Park Bar, which is right in Centennial Park, right next to the College Football Hall of Fame, right next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. There's some weird rules about tailgating this year and in groups and everything else. So we're going to go to a place that's following, you know, all the rules and re you know regulations in Atlanta regarding social distancing, regarding, you know, crowd maximization and everything else. So we're going to be inside. We're going to be outside. They're doing some patio drinks to go and everything else. We are super, super excited about this event. This is one of the only times that they've ever actually partnered with somebody to do a podcast or even an event period. This is a, a place that is always packed. It's definitely the vibe before the game. Uh, so we're super excited about that. And then Saturday night during the game, we're partnering uh, with the Atlanta Gator Club, and we're going to go to Fado, which is back up in Buckhead, uh, to do the game. They've asked us, um, you know, to to see what we can do. We might do a uh, a halftime, you know, Q and A. We might do a live stream. Might do something in the game, but whatever it is, we're going to be hanging out up in Buckhead during the game. So we'll do that from what well, kickoff until you know, whenever the cows go home or whenever it's time to go to Magic City, right, boys? Magic City. Magic I, got, City. I, got, I got reservations. Oh, very good. Very good. But um Dan, what you know about Magic City, Dan? And nothing, nothing. Uh we can talk offline about what I know about other places, right. but uh, <laughs> my, my parents Dan listen through, to the show. Dan, Dan threw that out there. I'm like, hold on, Dan. <laughs> They've they've got good chicken wings apparently enough to uh, have to quarantine that's, 14 that's, days. There you go, that's the chicken wings. <laughs> I'm there um, for the chicken wings, Dan. But we're going to continue to push it out. We think that at obviously at Big Sky, we have drink tickets. We're going to do some sort of special uh, at um, at Park Bar. We're going to do something at Fido. We just want you guys to come hang out. We know it's a weird year. We know, you know, there's a lot of rules around tailgating. There's a lot of rules about, you know, the number of people that are going to be able to go in the game. If you're in Atlanta, which is our third most listened to demographic in this uh, on this podcast, come hang out. Come meet us. Uh, we want to hang out with you. This is more about you than it is about us. So we're excited to meet you guys. I'm ready to hang out, man. City, city of Atlanta got to smell my cologne. I'm bringing so a lot of Versace. You, you know, they got to smell me around the city. Um, so uh, y'all pull up everywhere we at, man. You know, we have some merch in tow too, so you have opportunity to buy some merch. Um, Dan's down to sign some. I'm not sure what I want to do yet. I'll let y'all know. Um, <laughs> do you want me to bring some headshots? Yeah, bring some headshots. <laughs> I'll bring my comp card from when I was 13. Bring that Aber uh, costume you got. Maybe we could throw like a couple little costume parties up there while we're there. All right, hey, I'm here for it. I'm here for it, boys. Booking everything is what I'm saying. Uh, I'm here for it. Um, but we will see all of you guys there. We're going to continue to push it out. Uh, go out and support. Uh, we're real close to uh, to finalizing a few more of those details, and we'll have some of that. But we're really excited to uh, to be doing this and and taking over taking over the A.
All right, boys, let's uh, let's get into the show. As always, this show is sponsored by our friends over at the Thomas Firm, which is going to handle all insurance claims for property damage to your homes or business. Their lawyers have well over 20 years of experience handling roof damage, leaks from storms, water damage, hail damage, hurricanes, sinkholes. I learned last week it's not sinkhole season and fire. So uh, they work all over the state of Florida. So if you had damage to your home, give the Thomas firm a call for your free consultation, 813-221-2525 and visit them at tntattorneys.com. So talked a little bit about it. Florida gets a 38 to 10 win over Kentucky. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, thoughts, thoughts on the game. 34 to 10. I'm sorry. Brain fart there. Uh, 34 to 10. Uh, thoughts on the game? Um, a lot of Kyle on Kyle action. Um, a lot of what we expected. I thought the first drive came out smooth. We, we uh, went for it on the fourth down. We got with the trickery out the gate. Uh, long touchdown pass to Kyle Pitts. All that was magic. And then after that, uh, we – we started stalling a little bit and it was a weird game uh, most of the first half. So let's break it down. I guess in like tail of halves, I don't want to go over the whole game, but that first half just got like weird. I don't know. What, what, what did you see went wrong in that first half? Um, obviously the run game we, we was having little issues getting gas in the run game on defense, but what were you guys seeing offensively that, that, that stalled us out? Cause we didn't score any points. Um, well, I think that, I mean, the, the problem in the first half wasn't so much that the, the play calling was bad or anything was bad. I mean, there's some things that didn't execute well as we just couldn't get off the field. I mean, they had almost double, uh, that, pardon me, they had almost tripled the number of plays in the first half than we did. Um, they had the ball out as well. I'm sorry. We went three and out as well. Like right. it wasn't something wasn't clicking like rhythm wise, in my opinion, with the play calling, like it just seemed like it was off. Um, I do, and it also feels like Dan Mullen tries to pass and press the issue of trying to get a blowout too early. It feels like teams are sending dime. I think we need to come out and run the ball at them. I, I, I think. Well, I think also too, we run a lot of our scripted plays at the beginning. So when we we come out and, and kind of stall a little bit, them are the plays that we already have written down. We're going to run these plays. We got ten plays. We got twelve plays. We're going to run these plays. I don't give a damn what y'all come out in. We're going to run these plays. Right. All right. And that's that's you know that that kind of t- is the tale for. Um, us throughout the season because what in the second quarter we we usually light it up, right? right. Coming up, coming right. up that first quarter just trying to see up up the scripted plays and whatnot. And you do scripted plays on offense and defense, so I'm not saying that what, that's what what happened or giving me an excuse or anything, but usually typically that's how damn work. But it just also seems just comes out pass happy, um, and, and like the, the obvious thing, like teams are in dime, they playing bend but don't break because they, they don't want to get in the they don't want to get in the boat race with Florida, mm-hmm. so they're playing in a, a, a shell. To prevent the big plays, um, the run game is there for the taking, and we can run on teams. Um, even some of the, the dinking and dunking out in the backfield is, is clutch too. But I think we can run the ball a lot more, especially early in the games to set the tone. I was yeah, I mean, I, I, I just don't think that they executed at the right time. I mean, Kyle Trask had 175 yards, and I know a bulk of those came on that one pass to Kyle Pitts, what 56 yards, um, but still went 11 for 15. I just think that he had some inopportune, you know, passes. And like you said, I, I, they they keep going away from the run game early, and I don't know if it's just to build a lead to then you know be able to coast through. I mean, Dan Mullen, as you've seen, he's just not a you know a foot on the throat type of coach, right? He's a I'm going to get a comfortable lead. Lead, uh, whatever comfortable means to this defense, and we'll talk about that in here in a second. But a comfortable enough lead, and then who's just cool with with taking it as a win? Which, like, 
as long as there's a W on the board at the end of the game, I'm happy. But, you know, it's it's interesting that he is, like you said, Corey, so focused on trying to get points early, trying to get that big play um, early. And obviously Kyle Trask is your, your front runner for the Heisman Trophy. You know that Florida wants him to put up yards and put up points. Why not rely on your, you know, your three-headed running back group that, you know, is – pretty successful they don't put up the big yards like a lot of teams do but they are very successful running the ball getting you know four and a half to five and a half yards per carry each player well you know so so hit it right on the head is we got to capitalize when those guys um have an unloaded box um those guys are are, are, are putting two safeties over top watching you know for the deep ball and whatnot or or watching for trash to pass the ball we got to capitalize on um with, with the two safety high we got to run the ball i mean they're not loading the box for us that it they're basically saying, "Hey, we dare you to run the ball. We we're gonna let we're gonna let Steve Kerr. We're gonna let Kukos beat us. We we don't want to let Kyle Pitts and Michael Jordan beat us. That's right. basically what they're saying. No, that's a, I mean that's a good point. I like that analogy. Um, but I mean the first half obviously was was weird. Uh, they you know Kentucky absolutely controlled the ball in the first half. Uh, it wasn't until Florida. Um, with an excellent punt by Jacob Finn, I don't want to forget that, uh, pins the ball at the one-yard line, forces Kentucky to punt out of the end zone. Florida pulls a, a wild formation, pretends um, to have a fair catch. Kadarius Tony fields the ball. You know, that was a brilliant call. I don't know, like, because the commentator said something totally different, but it looked like they kind of faked, like Xavier Henderson faked the, like he was going to catch the ball like a fair catch and, and draw the attention. And, right. Some, you know. some, sometimes you can you block it like that. I'm not sure what they did and this and what the scenario is, but you got to always understand um, from the guys that's blocking. So kickoff return and punt return, your butt is always going to be leaning to the side that the the return is going to, right? So mm-hmm. if it's a right return, you're going to be blocking them, <clears throat> facing them to the left with your butt to the right. So as a return, as a kickoff guy, you could just say, hey, where's his butt turn? That's where, it, you know, if you get smart and savvy with it, wherever his butt turned, that's where the return going. Or some teams get smart and put their butt on the other side or, or make it look like it's a return the other way. So I'm not saying that's what they did, but you can kind of trick somebody into thinking that the return is coming left with the, with the return of doing a fair catch and all that. Because you got to remember, these guys are trying to get down the field as fast as they can. And sometimes they don't watch the punt or watch the ball in the air. Right. So they'll take a peek at it and go. Right. And that peek might be early. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's going left. It's really not. Well, and he did shank it too, right? I mean, he's a right, he's, right. he's a good punter. Right. Um, you certainly don't expect to shank. Uh, and you know, heads up play by both guys. I mean, that's a an extremely heads up play by Xavier Henderson to call the fake fair catch. And you know, obviously, that's something that you can you can try all the time in practice. But it, it does require a certain type of punt in a certain type of situation for that to even work. And Outside of that, you just look like a dummy waving for a fair catch, right? And nobody's around you, right? So that's great awareness by Xavier Henderson to do that. And then a big shout out to Kadarius Tony. I mean, was the SEC Player of the Week in special teams? Um, you know, but just great job blocking and then great job getting in the end zone. And that flipped the game, in my opinion, for the Gators. I don't think the Gators were going to lose that game ever, but it was just these frustrating things. It's like, are you guys going to win this one like 21 17? Are you guys going to actually get. You know, yeah. a decent win out of this. Hey, Dan, check the stat too, Dan. I think um, Kadarius Tony scored every year against Kentucky. I think. Yeah, I'll have to. Yeah, I'll double check that. He, but he's like, the, he's like the Kentucky killer, Dan. I like that Kentucky killer. Kentucky killer, Dan. I because I, I remember he got like a a, a um, direct snap. I think he was number seventeen as a freshman. Remember that that play? 
Yes. I think I think he scored. I'm not sure, Dan. I'm pretty sure. So he did not score last year because he did not play. Um, But he scored in – I don't know if he scored in 2018. This this doesn't make for great radio, but um, (laughs) he he did score in 2017. 2017. So he scored in 2017 and 2020, but I'll still take it, Amon. All right, we can still call him Kentucky Killer. I mean, we still have the same issue with the defense, though. Like, the the game is taking forever to get lined up. At this point, bro, like – we seen the words that Grantham and Mullen had on the sidelines. Uh, Mother, Mullen said it was about Christmas lights, but I think we all know what time it was. Yeah, I definitely saw some words. Yeah, yeah, somebody got lit up. Right, you're right. It was Christmas lights. What the hell is going on with the defense? Like at this point, bro, like the season's almost over, and like they still can't get lined up. Literally, like, like what? The, think, go ahead, Amon. No, we're just having problems that we we supposed to have fixed and. In week one, you know, I know we didn't have a camp, but damn, week three at least. You know what I'm saying? Week two, geez, what's the issue? This is the 13th week of the year, right? I mean, for all things considered, when they could practice and everything else, you have a lot of the guys that have been in the program, and I don't want to rehash it, right? The same guys are doing the same thing over and over and over, and it just – it's that definition of insanity quote. It's like how many times – you know, are we going to see three struggle with where to line up or 13 struggle? And, you know, a lot of the issues that the defense has start with guys not knowing where to line up because they're playing, you know, catch up or, you know, they're trying to figure out where they're going and there's a guy running wide open. And, you know, we've seen teams just beat us with the slant route the last few weeks because they know it's going to be open, right? Either our guys are too far off the ball or they're not lined up. And, you know, teams are just gashing us right, you know, in the middle of the field with these slant routes. I, think, I, I think another thing too. Up looks nuts. Like, I, I don't know so far back. I, I think another thing, too, is is we having a problem with calling the strength of the defense. You want to know why? Because Brenton Cox and is, is switching a lot of times. And I don't know if he goes to the strength or opposite of the strength, but he's he, – he shouldn't be flipping right before the, the, the play starts. So that comes from us not being able to call the strength of the, of the uh, offense. Right. But hey, – How – that's not even something – that's like – I learned that in like that, – that's, that's day one. Huh? <clears throat> that's day one. I don't understand. A lot of times, who's it, Brenton Cox and, and, and Carter are switching at the end, right before the, with the ball snap. So um, explain that to the average fan that may may not. So know when that. when you come out, the, the strength is always to the tight end side. Usually, right. nine times out of ten is to the tight end side. So when you come out, um, it, me playing strong safety, I was always to the tight end side. So so when we come out of the huddle, the linebacker say, "Hey, strength, left, 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 or right, right, right." That is to tell me where to line up, and also to tell the the Sam linebacker and the Will linebacker where to line up because the Sam goes to the strong side too. So check so there, if there's no tight end on the field, where's the screen? Then you go to the, where the most where the most receivers are. So why does it take so long? Or well, like I don't understand why it takes so long. Or why it's hard for them to find a shrimp when it's just that simple? I don't understand. So that's what where I'm confused about. So it has to be something other than that because there's no way, and and it's not like everybody moving at once. It's the nickel back because it, it, it affects the nickel. The, the, uh, I'm sorry, when the nickel's in the game, there's no Sam back. So it's going to affect the nickel or the Sam and the defense ends. It's that simple. Uh-huh. So, when you, when, so when you see those guys running around late, that's probably because we don't got the strength right. 
Um, so let me ask you guys, right? So obviously we can talk ad nauseum about the first quarter or the first half because it's the exact same thing. You know, Kentucky goes 35 yards on the first drive. They punt 20 yards on the second. They punt. Then they go 38 yards, touchdown, 87 yards, field goal. Um, you know, and those were basically their possessions outside of, you know, going three out. The biggest thing is, is watching a team like Kentucky gash us. And we know they're not a good football team. So we know we're going to beat this team. We know that the stats Kentucky put up is not going to be impressive. But to watch some of the gas, the gashing, and watch how out of position we are, how lost we look, um, it doesn't make Atlanta feel comfortable. You know, like and that's what the fans. We, we know we're gonna beat Kentucky. We know we're going to beat Tennessee. We're thinking Atlanta. So that's right. where the type and the complaint is coming about. People thinking about Atlanta and and the incompetence. We can't have that in that building because saving going to come on on point. Like, well, let me then let me ask you guys, my my, do you have a take on that? I was just gonna say, I mean, and teams haven't really really done it too 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 much, but I mean, we will get destroyed if teams start running in motion. Like if, if teams start sending guys in motion, we're I don't don't think you guys understand what will happen because we can't even get guys lined up in the right place when they're not going in motion. Yeah. Like well. Well, let me let me ask you guys. I, I was actually driving back. I listened to the game, you know, with Mick Huber, which was a great way to listen to the game. Um, I watched it um, when I got back. But second half, after the shellacking Dan Mullen gave uh, Todd Grantham, in the second half, Kentucky goes three plays minus three yards, three plays one yard with an interception, three plays nine yards punt, four plays eight yards turnover on downs, three plays one interception five plays, 25 yards, interception. Did you see anything differently on the defense? Um, obviously, besides they were able to get some more pressure on Terry Wilson and they were playing a little bit of catch-up. Um, but did you see anything different in the second half of the game for the defense to have a diabolically different second half compared to the first half? Yes, Samir or Ahmad? Either. Um. I mean, we, we, I, I just don't think Kentucky's a good football team. I don't think we did any big adjustments. People were saying that we adjusted to something. I didn't see any enormous adjustments. I seen um, guys make plays on the ball when the ball was in the air. Shout out to Travez Johnson. Mm-hmm. I thought, uh, a lot of our defensive backs have been in the same position he's been in when the ball's in the air and the receiver can come down with it unless you're a dog. And he came down with the ball just because playmakers make plays. So I think like some of the young boys that came in, um, we didn't see a lot of, of snaps that I thought we should have seen from um, some of those young guys, man. Uh, I thought 41 Houston got busy. Uh, he was active all day. Um, outside of that, bro, I'm just really concerned about the defense side of the ball when it comes to like when we when it's time to play Bama. No, I agree. I agree. I mean that that's a, that's a game that you can't. They'll be able to stay balanced and do what they want to do, and they're explosive in both the run game and the pass game. So we got to figure something out if we want to win that game, bro. Right now, this defense ain't ready to win in Atlanta. And then that's what it's going to come down to. You know, we that can we can we stop them? And also, you know, can we block them up front? That, that's what the whole game will <laughs> come down to. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think um, that's why I want to get that running mentality before we get to Bama because right now, like, you got to get that mentality in your offensive line where we can't drop back all day throw against them. But if they could if they could stop our run and get pressure with, with four or five, we're in trouble. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of this stuff we need to start working on now and getting busy with him trying to shuffle that line around. Like when we up 
and we got teams we know we're gonna win this game i think we need to uh experiment with some of these younger guys i think gene delance like we need to press charges on on, on that boy man like him going out there and blocking is becoming criminal you're gonna get somebody hurt like literally bro and i don't you know i am i don't want to talk back because he's a nice dude but come on bro no it's not like, personal it's, it just like, it's never personal but you got two i mean sometimes he let dudes even split double teams i'm like bro what like mm-hmm. you got help and you still getting beat yes yeah, it's, it's, it's it's real head scratching stuff man so i would like to see the young boys move around um Ethan White and Braun, they 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 got the mentality that uh Florida offensive line need. So I, I'm I'm just ready for a youth movement in some of these spots, man. I think for us to make that next push, it's not gonna come from the veterans that keep making the same mistakes. No, I agree. Uh, Gene Delance currently has um, more pressures allowed than everybody else on the offensive line combined. Uh, are more hurries allowed? He has more pressures allowed. Um, him and Stuart Reese has given up the most sacks on the team. Um, he's allowed the most hits too. Um, it, it's just it, it's kind of one thing after another. And I don't know if there's a better alternative, but I don't think that there's a much worse case because we've seen it. Because um, we've put in Tarquin, we've put in Braun, we've put in Ethan White, we've put in some of these other guys against teams that are still playing their ones. Maybe Florida's beating them, but they're still playing against the ones and they're still holding their weight. Um, but to allow 32 pressures when the second most allowed on the team is Stuart Reese with 11 um, is, is, is incredibly sad. It's incredibly um, frustrating to see because you see how it ends drives. I mean, last week, not this past week, the game before, you know, he sacked Kyle Trask himself, right? Uh, he didn't just allow a sack. He did it himself. Um, so I want to see something new uh, because Alabama is going to be able to push that line. They know that weakness, and I'm scared to death of Alabama sending a, a pass rusher and then a, a linebacker on the other side too with Gene DeLance, you know, just looking like a turnstile at, uh, at a Macy's. Yeah, it's going to be bad. But, uh, but you know, enough of that. Um, shout out to Kyle Pitts, uh, who worked Kelvin Joseph so much. He forced him to uh, quit the season, decide that he was going to declare for the NFL draft. Um, so it's a big shout out to Kyle Pitts to do that. Uh, Florida also goes their sixth game in a row, uh, throwing more than 300 yards in a game, uh, which is something that they've not done in a very, very long time. 36 touchdown passes on the season. Uh, to only five total interceptions. So, shout out to the twice. we got to think about the fumbling. Uh, uh, Naquan put it on the turf, and Justin Shorter put it on the turf. Yeah, I saw that, man. That's one thing we talked about, and one thing that I was hard on on Tony about, and I was 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 getting on his case uh, when when he did it, man. That it's unacceptable, and that, that's that can lose us the game. You know, we playing a tight game, and um, you know, I, I think ultimately didn't that lose us the A and M game. Yep. was one of the big factors of it. So, yep. um, you know, it, it bit us in the butt before, and this is one thing that we can't do is put the ball on the ground. Yeah, I think Shorter's uh, inner, or, uh, fumble, pardon me, was a little bit more just a, the right hit at the right time and the ball. And, you know, other teams are going to create plays. Uh, but with Wright, you just don't want to see it, man. I mean, he's having a, a great year. He's doing better than we expected. But, again, you know, you can do that against Kentucky and bounce back. But, you know, if we're talking about Atlanta and we're talking about Alabama, uh, right. you can't, can't do that. can't do that. So, Hold on to the boys, uh, ball boys. Um, but speaking of which, um, any more takes on the game before we get into some other news and notes? 
No, we good. I mean, other news, you go ahead and get into that. Um, so, so speaking of running back, um, Iverson Clement announced today uh, that he's putting his uh, name into the transfer portal. Uh, he actually played at the end of the game uh, against Kentucky or against, yeah, against Kentucky. Didn't have uh, any yards, was close to scoring a touchdown uh, at the end, but only five catches, or uh, pardon me, five uh, rushes this season uh, for 29 total yards, 5.8 yards. Uh, per carry there, and then I think he had a couple of catches. He didn't. So um, so he's going to be moving on, I think, before the season started, especially with the addition of Demarcus Bowman, uh, Lorenzo Lingard back there. It's just it's a crowded room, especially with Naquan Wright coming uh, up as well. Um, who knows? There might even be another transfer. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, predict, I predicted this one in the preseason. I didn't know, like, where, like, especially after you get, like, Demarcus Bowman, coming in i don't know where he finds carries uh the only guy that may go pro is is, is who uh dp yeah uh, maybe maybe so, yeah i mean i think before the season we thought he was definitely going pro i'm not sure he's gonna definitely go pro this year right so i just i think i don't know it's, it's not a lot of carries in his mm-hmm. uh his eligibility thinking my, so my, my boy my boy had an opportunity man yeah one job saturday man give us a 40. Yeah, chicken box right there. Come on, you know, we ain't gonna run no, no, no other plays after that. Silk, we got to get in the chicken box right there, Iverson. You got imagine ending your career with a touchdown. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Look, look, how, look how good it would have looked on me. Yeah, put on this highlight tape. But uh, but shout out to him. Nothing but a proud Gator. I know he's gonna he's gonna be a guy that even when he leaves, you know, kind of reminds me. I think he's gonna be like a D Finley type of mod, where he's just like very proud to be a Gator. It didn't necessarily work out, uh, but a guy that I think you know definitely has an opportunity. Yeah, he's gonna be a Gator for the rest of his life. He's gonna be a guy that I think gets some some playing time. And he's originally from New Jersey. I don't know if he's gonna go up to like a Rutgers or something like that, but I definitely think he could thrive up there. And who knows, maybe he ends up at Penn State if that staff stays, you know, intact and ends up with uh with Juwan Sider again. Who who knows? Yeah, good luck to Iverson, man. Um just the room just got crowded real fast. We thought we didn't have enough backs. Turns out like it's 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 plenty fine and we gotta find carry. So I get it, man. Um, if you, if you want to get drafted, you got to go get film. Yep, yep. So let me, uh, let's run through a couple of other uh, facts and figures. We'll do a quick recruiting talk, and then we've got Florida Gator legend Kevin uh, Carter with CBS Sports coming on right after. So, again, this is a track that we've been uh, following all season. Florida is now outscoring opponents 86 to 6 in the, the final five minutes. Um, of the first half uh, this season, which is absolutely incredible. Kyle Trask is still your uh, preeminent favorite to win the Heisman. Uh, he has minus 150 odds right now, and Mac Jones sits in second with plus 150. And, and the way that that means that if you wanted to bet on Kyle Trask to win the Heisman Trophy, you'd have to put up $150 to win $100. Uh, obviously, you get your original bet back too. Uh, and then Mac Jones, if you put up a, if you put up $100, you'd get $150 uh, back plus your uh, I tell I do think we're leaving some opportunities on the field to run away with this Heisman thing. I think uh, these last two games, opportunities for Kyle to pull up some ridiculous numbers. I'm not saying his numbers are bad, but uh, we did leave a few opportunities on, on the table, I think. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the odds the odds got closer this this week. Um, last week he was minus 175, and, and Mac Jones, I believe, was plus 325, and now you know it's minus 115, still plus 150. So Kyle is still the, the odds on favor to win, but – Again, you just never know. Um, 
there. Uh, we already gave him a shout out, but shout out to Kadarius Tony, who was the SEC special teams player of the week. And then I would imagine there's other people that were also included in this list, but uh, he posted it on Twitter. So I'm going to shout him out, Kyer Elam, who was a member of the SEC academic um, first team or whatever they call it. Uh, so shout out to Kyer Elam and the 561. Let's get into a brief recruiting talk. And obviously, before we jump into that, uh, we do have our facts only podcast uh, that does talk about recruiting. We drop it every couple of weeks or so. We're going to film a new episode or record a new episode here pretty soon, uh, just with National Signing Day coming up in a few weeks. Uh, so look out for that. But I do want to talk a little bit about recruiting, which is brought to you by our friends over at Roof Soldier, which is a veteran owned company that specializes in all aspects of residential and commercial roof replacement and repair. So whether you've experienced any recent roof leaks or damage, or simply want to take advantage of having a free roof inspection as we head into the winter and then obviously hurricane season after that of what it's um, give roof soldier a call pardon me uh, to schedule a free inspection one uh, eight seven seven roofs fl or visit their website roofsoldier.com tell them stadium and gale sent you they were originally given two hundred dollars off now they're giving more off so give a shout out uh, to stadium and gale when you give roof soldier a call um, i'm just going to run through some nuggets here feel free to add uh what you guys want to add especially you amad i know that this is a big um subject you're interested in uh five-star defensive end uh to me adelier uh visited alabama this weekend uh is looking at alabama florida and texas a&m i still think he goes to alabama or texas a&m uh, but right now those are his three, and then he is an early signing day uh, commit. That's a guy that Florida looked really, really good with after he decommitted from Ohio State, was at IMG Academy, goes back to Texas, and have seemingly lost ground uh, every week since. Uh, other than that, other big news, Xavier Sori, speaking of IMG Academy, outside linebacker, uh, four-star, number four uh, linebacker, uh, is did make the announcement that he is going to announce on early signing day. That is a, what, a Florida, Alabama, Georgia battle, I believe. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there, but that's a big uh, target for, for Florida. Bryce Langston, a defensive uh, lineman, has announced that he's going to announce on signing day, and that's the traditional February signing day. Uh, so Bryce Langston is a guy that Florida likes. Um, he's had the opportunity, has said that he wanted to commit. He was previously committed to Florida. There's been opportunities and chances to recommit to Florida, still hasn't. Don't know if he's going to end up at Florida, but that's a guy that um, you know the staff wants on board. And then Terry and Arnold announced yesterday, or pardon me, announced today on Monday that he is uh, making an announcement tomorrow, uh, which is Tuesday when you're listening to this at noon. He didn't say what it was. Uh, he is a safety out of um, out of Tallahassee. John Paul uh, the second Catholic. Florida is really really high on him. He was supposed to take trips to Alabama and Georgia over the past couple of weeks. Did not take any of those. I know Florida likes him. I think that Florida sits in a really good position for him. But there he is, Terry and Arnold, making some sort of announcement. He could be dropping a top three. He could be dropping a top one thirty five. We don't know. But he's going to make an announcement tomorrow. So. I had to share. Okay. Very good. Uh, well, let's get on 
with the show and bring Kevin Carter on. Kevin Carter's interview is brought to you by our friends over at Envoy Mortgage and my friend Carlton Black. He's licensed in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. So he's going to offer all types of home loans, conventional loans, FHA loans, VA loans, fixed rate loans, adjustable rate mortgages, jumbo loans, etc. So if you want to refinance or if you want to get a loan at a historically low rate, very, very low, like 1.75% low, give him a shout at 404-769-5501 or email him at cblack at envoymortgage.com. And again, if you're a real estate agent in any of those states, again, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia, give him a call. He'd love to partner with you as you help home buyers and home sellers look for mortgage opportunities. Let's get Kevin Carter on the show. Let's hang out. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Hey, Kevin, what are uh, Danny Cannell's thoughts on FSU ducking all these fades this year? <laughs> um, you know, you know, we had a discussion about that the other day, actually. Just uh, it seems that FSU, man, you know, for a long time, they were that program that, you know, was in a favorable place and could get a lot of recruits and, um they had it going for a long time. I mean, you have a long-standing coach like Bobby Bowden, and then you have some have someone like um, <clears throat> Jimbo Fisher that comes in, and he's innovative, and he's quarterback whisperer, and can manufacture all this offense. And you know, you still had a lot of guys, a lot of four and five-star players going there. But then, I think in two fifteen, two thousand fifteen, I think they had like the most players in the last four seasons to go to the NFL. They had like something like 33 players. They lost just to attrition to the NFL. And I think when you lose so many players like that, you lose your leadership, you lose the direction and you, and you, you risk, you know, not having the culture that breeds uh, pride in your program. You know, the one thing about Florida that I can say is, you know, even when, you know, things weren't going well, you know, Florida was still putting out players. Mm -hmm. And and we didn't see that really out of Florida State. Um, You know, when they started to go down, you really saw, you know, what I called uninspired play, you know, by by their guys. And they they still had talent. Guys are still going to the league. You got Cam Akers. You know, you've got guys that are coming out year in and year out going to the league. But, you know, it seems like they have no pride in their program. And – and right now, I mean, you know, the culture is just so bad there. You know, uh, they, they look like they don't really care. They don't really have the direction. Obviously, you know, you're trying to find a coaching fit that can come in and change things. And, you know, COVID is a wrong time to, to, you know, to try to do that. You better have something established. You better have some guys that believe in you as a coach and that look to, you know, build something, even though, you know, there's no possible – there's a possible no end in sight as far as a season or, you know, games that are being canceled or whatnot. So that's a, that, that's a real thing, you know, um, with FSU. And it's really sad to see because as a, as a Gator, you know, you want the rivalry to be strong. I love I, everything that you just said, Kevin, is about as excited as I've ever been listening to somebody talk on this podcast. So thank you for, <laughs> for saying that. Uh, let's let's dive into winning football on the other side of the state. Florida Gators sit at 7-1 and one right now. Um, give us your thoughts on this uh, this season so far. 
you know, the one thing that I had criticism for is uh, the Gators' defense. And I thought, man, you know, they're giving up too many rush yards. They're they're giving up too many points. They're not stopping people. They're not creating turnovers. But it really hadn't seemed to matter. <laughs> you know, Kyle Trask and company, you know, put up so many points. But I think they got a wake-up call when they when they walked into, you know, their matchup with, uh, with, with the Aggies. Because I said, you know, if you find someone that has a quarterback and has the offensive might empowered to match you point for point if your defense can't find a stop then you know you're basically putting your offense in a bad situation and um and i think they kind of went from there and they kind of improved a little bit but then you know they've had an interesting trend in the last couple of games you know you look back to probably the last three or four weeks and you know they did better because they didn't allow over you know, 300 total yards, you know, by a couple of teams in a row. And then, you know, the second half scoring, I, you know, I've, I've asked our research department at CBS Sports to do a study. And I want to see how many points are being scored on this Florida defense in the second half. Because this past weekend, you know, things looked a little grim early until the fake punt to Kadarius Tony, And then, you know, nearly after halftime, Ty Grantham adjusted and, you know, no more points, you know, and, and it's, it's been nice to see this lockdown defense in the second half for the Florida Gators. They, they, they find a way to adjust and, and start making plays. Obviously you've got a mountain of offense on the other side and it changes the complexity of the game. It changes the dynamics and how it works. You can't run the football. You can't go with your, normal offense you know it's like trading punches or trading two-point baskets when someone's hitting threes and um and so we, we've seen this trend over and over again where this florida defense only has to weather the storm of the first half and give their offense time um you know to, does, to, does to the uh, does the lack of getting lined up and the communication concern you at all at this point in the season yeah it does yeah it does because you know there's a there's an elephant in the room, uh, literally. You know, there's an elephant coming up mm-hmm. on their, their schedule. You know, in a couple of weeks, in the form of the Crimson Tide. And, right. um, you know, Benny the Elephant. You know, they ain't gonna stop scoring, and they've got the offensive might and you know the the offensive line to control the line of scrimmage and limit your possessions. They have the defensive, you know, secondary and with Dylan Moses and Daniel Wright and those guys in the secondary to make things hard, you know, from a coverage standpoint for Kyle Trask. Do I think they're going to be able to stop him? No. Um, but this is this is a good team that's going to adjust just like you adjust. And they're going to be ready for everything that you've done on film. So you've got a, a, a nice body of work. And we see this at the end of, you know, at the end of seasons all the time. You see teams that aren't supposed to be good or aren't supposed to be able to do stuff to you and they're able to stop you. Well, it's because you've got, you know, 10 games on tape and they see you executing and doing all the things and they stop. They can make a plan to stop what you do well. And if there's any team that's equipped from a player collective football IQ standpoint, it's, it's, it's Alabama's defense. So the problems that you're having on 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 defense early in the ball games, as far as um, 
you know, gap control, getting lined up, communication, you know, adjustments, those things early in the game, you know, you're facing, you're facing a guy who in, in Mac Jones, that, that is, that is straight dealing. I mean, make no mistake. I mean, you can call him a game manager all you want, but you know, I, I talked about it this past weekend. He does so many little things correctly you know, just like Joe Burrow had to wait his chance, and then when he got his chance, he choked the life out of it. I think you're seeing Mac Jones. You saw him sit behind, you know, Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa, and, you know, he's the older guy, you know, and he's waiting his turn, you know, seemingly less talented, but, man, now he's shattering every record that Tua put up. So you've got an offense, man, that's built to score points, and they don't care if, you know, you win time of possession over them they don't care because that they're they're going to put up 50 on you so florida's defense you know whatever you got going on you have to know that the way you've been winning games is the main way that this crimson tide team is going to stop you and make you do something else that's the true mark of a good team to see if you can win a different way see if you can adjust and overcome what you've what's been successful for you and, you know, that's that's my only concern kind of going forward in terms of the college football playoff, because, you know, right now, if if they didn't stub their toe versus Texas A&M, we'd be talking about the Florida Gators getting in no matter what comes December 19th. We'd be talking about them as a one loss SEC team, their only loss being to Alabama, if that's the case, and getting into the college football playoff easily. Because with the with the with the parity that's going on in the Big Ten, you know who knows if they're going to get a chance to finish. Notre Dame has already beaten Clemson once, and Clemson may redeem itself. But you've got a one loss. You possibly have a one loss Notre Dame team. You know this could have been a nice situation, but now Florida's backed himself backed itself into a corner. No matter how well Kyle Trask is playing, thirty four touchdowns on the season, which is a record and it's awesome, and you know the offense looks great. But right now, you have to win or you go home. Uh, Kevin, what – so let's let's talk about the next two games for Florida. So Florida is definitely most likely going to the SEC championship. It would take a lot for them to lose. What do you want to see over the next two weeks against, you know, a Tennessee team that went in with unbelievably high expectations of themselves again and five straight SEC losses, just lost their uh, – five-star uh, recruit today, but what do you want to see out of them uh, when Florida plays them? And then what do you want to see out of LSU to get them prepared for a game against Alabama? Well, the, the good thing about it is this, you know, when you're that team that's breaking records or there's a zero or a one in the loss column for you, you're going to get everyone's best shot. Know that Jeremy Pruitt's team this weekend has nothing to lose. <laughs> They're going to throw the kitchen sink and everything else at you, you know, from, a, you know, they're going to make you defend everything on defense and they're going to try to exploit holes. They're going to try to win time possession. They're going to try to get themselves off the field. They're going to throw, throw crazy blitzes and, and looks that, you know, Trask hasn't seen because, again, they have nothing to lose and everything to gain by salvaging their season, um, you know, in the midst of a COVID pandemic. So, what I want to see out of Florida is, you know, exercise your offense, do everything you want to do, find different ways and creative ways to get the ball in your playmaker's hands, you know, exhaust your playbook, but don't show too much. 
you know, because you've still got games on the horizon that are looming. Defensively, I'd like to see the defense come out from the, the opening quarter and play dominating defense. Play as though, you know, they care about every single yard. I want to see them play the way they played in the second half and see if they can do that in the first half. And that's what they need to do for the, for, for the next two games to get themselves ready from a, from a repetition standpoint, you know, to, to get themselves seasoned enough because, you know, Najee Harris and that offensive line of the Tide is coming. And yeah. their offense can match you in terms of number of, you know, star power guys they got on the other side of the ball. John Mechie the third. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley has just emerged as, as another receiver. you got Devontae Smith. You've got Miller Forrestal as a tight end. You've got Najee Harris. You've got a pretty potent offense in the, in the tie coming up. And I, this defense better get ready because it won't be, you know, the offensive prowess that wins that game. It'll be whoever's defense plays the best on that day that'll get the win. And Kevin, I know you have a lot to watch on Saturdays with your role at CBS, and I'm not sure how you know tightly you can watch all the Gator games. But you know, in the second half of that game, you know Dan Mullen chews out Todd Grantham at the end of the first half. Second half, the defense looks completely different. Did you see or notice anything different in the second half, or do you just think that they were executing a little bit better? Or do you think Kentucky was just down and they were trying to play forced football, and it just happened to work in the Gators' favor? I think it's a combination of everything you just said. Um, I think, you know, obviously their attention to detail, you know, needed to pick up a little bit. Their attention to gap control and, you know, swarming to the football and, you know, fighting for every single yard, fighting for every single down, you know, just because they get six yards on the first down, you know, it's second and four, you know, get a negative play, you know, find something, you know, good defense has been, but don't break. And, this Florida defense seems to acquiesce early in games and give up these, you know, 75 yard drives, you know, you know I mean, I'm, I'm watching Vanderbilt and I'm like, man, who knew that Ken Seals, this freshman quarterback for Vanderbilt was that damn good. And it's just <laughs> like, man, and don't get me wrong, taking nothing away from them, but you're Florida, you know? And, and I remember those, those types of games, those games at the end of the season before your big game, so to speak, the games you really care about, the games that it's a foregone conclusion that you're already going to win. Those are some of the hardest games to play, but those are the games that reinforce your discipline. They, they reinforce your ability to, you know, no matter who you're playing, no matter what down it is, go out there and dominate. And, and if that's what you, that's, if that's what you've got inside of you, if you have that ability to do that collectively as a defense, then why aren't you doing it all the time? Real quick, what's your opinion on Vanderbilt firing um, Derek Mason? You know, you have to take any firings of coaches, I think, with a grain of salt um, during this time. Um, you know, but, but a few of those coaches, you know, aren't going to get that grace. You know, there's, you know, you're looking at guys like, you know, Jim Harbaugh right now. And you're looking at guys like James Franklin right now in the Big Ten. It's like, you know, after Penn State going, you know, 11 and 2, 9 and 4, and then 11 and 2 the last three years, respectively, you know, to to come out and, you know, be 0 and 5 going into Michigan is almost unheard of. So, you know, you expect something drastic, you know, from, from organizations and teams like that. I just, for Vanderbilt, you know, maybe Derek Mason isn't the answer. Maybe you knew that or thought that last year. 
Um, I think it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's a little bit of a grain of salt. And I'm not going to say that it's not fair because, you know, we've had more than enough time to evaluate Derek Mason and how he is either going to change the culture and t- turn them into a winner or have them overachieving or whatever they need to do in order to be successful. You've had the, enough time for you know the litmus test to, to, to evaluate who he is and, and how he coaches. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm, I'm never going to say, oh, yeah, man, you got to fire that guy, you know. I'm, I'm never going to be in favor of just, you know, heaping on when someone is down and kicking, kicking a man when he's down. But, you know, they weren't the team. They weren't turning the corner. They weren't developing talent. And I question, you know, their ability to recruit. You know, I mean, look, I, I, I'm an assistant high school coach down in the state of Florida. And there are a bunch of us that used to play ball that love to go out and help the kids out at our local high schools, you know. And I see those guys when they come and recruit and I talk to different people. And, you know, I was surprised when they came over to my son's high school a couple of years ago, you know, they're not throwing out any offers. And I'm like, man, you got kids here that are at a private school that have great grades, you know, that are good players. And, you know, some of them are three, four and five star kids. And you're not even giving them a nod. These are kids that are looking to go to a place like your school, you know. My right. son is a sophomore tight end at Dartmouth, at Dartmouth right now, at an Ivy League school. You know, the funny thing is he got in academically <laughs> to Vanderbilt. And I'm thinking, of course, you know, they'll probably offer him. I don't know if, you know, my, my son will want to go there. But, you know, it seems like a good fit, you know. And and then I'm, I'm, I'm I, nothing, you know. And I'm like, okay, I don't know who you guys are recruiting. I don't know who you guys are trying to get in there. But I'm looking at, you know, the people on your roster. I'm looking up down your thing. And I'm like, man. Look, my son just turned 20 years old, and he's 6'7", 260 pounds, and, you know, he's my son. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm, right. I'm not saying that you should have offered him or you should have did whatever, but there's a whole lot of kids just like that that didn't even so much as get a nod from Vanderbilt. So you weren't recruiting right. You, were, you weren't doing, you know, things to change the culture. We didn't see, We didn't see you as this giant killer that, you know, found a way through scrappy play and football IQ collectively and special teams and all the little details and fighting for every yard. We didn't see that out of your team. We just saw you as a team that nearly was a guaranteed win for most other SEC teams when they looked on the schedule. And that's that's a problem. I mean, Vanderbilt is a place where you can get good talent. You're in the SEC. You will have kids that, that, that want to come there just to have a chance to play in the best conference in the country. What do you think uh, Zach Carter did to improve his draft stock this year? And you like the way you've been playing ball? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the one thing about, you know, this time it's kind of difficult. And I think a lot of the scouts are going to look and see, you know, what your preparation is and how you come out to play, you know, not having fans in the stands and not having a lot of the hoopla, and, you know, just the, the normal atmosphere of college football, I think it's actually, I mean, I think it's, I think it's actually a pretty good time to evaluate talent because, you know, I kind of go back to, you know, what John Gruden asks me, um, yeah. asked me when I came into his office going into my 13th year of football and I was considering retirement. And, um, and the one question he asked me, he says, he says, Kevin, do you love ball? Do you still love ball? Do you, do you love it? And, uh, and, uh, you know, my answer was, yeah, you know, because he says, because there's no way you'd be playing this game 
if, you know, after all this time, I know you're a smart guy. I know you saved your money, but why are you playing? You know, I'm like, because it's not out of my system yet. I love it. This is what I want to do. And I think this time when you see players that are putting in work like Zach, I think, I think you start to see guys that actually love the game and you, and you see their attention to detail and you see the fact that, you know, the, the circumstances around them isn't really killing their love for the game or their preparation or the professionalism. I think now is that time where you're really going to find some sleepers and some guys, you know, maybe even at smaller schools, there's guys like Malik Willis and, you know, this, um, who's the, the, the running back, um, that just set a record for eight touchdowns and 400 rushing yards um, the other day. Yeah. Jared Patterson. Yeah, yeah, Jared Patterson. I mean, my goodness, when, when you have when you have kids like that, that that jump out at you in the midst of what's going on now in our country, I think that's, you know, those are true measures of kids that deserve a shot on the next level. And, you know, scouts are looking for those guys. So if you're balling right now, yeah, you're helping your stock big time. Uh, speaking of what's happening this year, do you think we finish football on time? Um, I don't think we finished on time. I think the college football playoff committee has to be flexible. I think they've been asking, you know, all of the college campus, all these kids to be flexible and to be malleable. And I think, you know, they've been ready to play at a, you know, at a drop of a dime or at a moment's notice. They've been, they've had games postponed. They've had games moved, you know, time, days and everything else. They've gone through rapid testing. They've gone through self-quarantining, trying to keep themselves safe in the midst of trying to go to class and everything else. And so I think now the flexibility needs to come down to them because these kids and every conference across the country have done everything you've asked them to do, you know, not to mention the coaches and support staffs, you know, how tirelessly they have worked to try and keep these kids safe and to create a safe environment for these kids to play. I think now that flexibility needs to be reflected back upon them and they need to say, okay, now that you've done everything to, to have this football season and give everyone at home who's zooming and doing all these, you know, meetings and stuff virtually, I think now in order to give, give them the payoff, the sacrifice that they've made, and that everybody around that's been working so hard now now's the time you give them their payoff now's mm -hmm. the time when you when you're flexible and you you know kind of bend the rules a little bit just to make sure that these kids can get that you know final game whether it's a championship game or you know the big 10 announced that even on december 19th when they may have the big 10 championship they're still going to have other teams playing on that day just to give these kids more games um on their season so um, I don't see how they can't be flexible uh, because it doesn't look like things are going to finish on time because, you know, you know, you're watching the news. It's kind of like we're in the middle of another um, coronavirus surge in mm -hmm. cases. So it's, it's not getting any better out there with the cold and flu season. Yeah, Kevin, my last question to you. Do you think the Heisman Trophy race comes down to the SEC championship between Matt Jones and Kyle Trask? I really do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little partial. And I've, I've been really careful on the air not to sound too homerish, um, obviously, because I'm a Gator fan. But I'm a fan of Kyle Trask um, because of what he's gone through. You know, the kid waited his turn in high school. He waited his turn in college. And, you know, he's another example. He's got his chance now and he's choking the life out of this experience. You know, you can't tell him, you know, that that, that he isn't the guy because he is he is rewriting history. And he is writing his way and just 
I think what he's been able to do in the midst of, you know, not having top-notch defense at times, you know, in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, we're seeing weapons realized through his play. Who knew that Florida had as many as 14 or 15 different viable targets in the passing game? You know, you, you, you wouldn't have seen this. I mean, we wouldn't know who Kamari Gamble or Keon Zipper or, you know, Jacob Copeland or Xavier Henderson or, you know, any of the guys who are, you know, in the second or third string. I mean, you know, the backs, you know, Naquan Wright and Damian Pierce and, um, you have so many guys that are catching passes from Kyle Trask, and it doesn't matter. He he is taking what the defense has given him, and he is shredding everybody he plays. I mean, it's. I was on the field for the SEC championship game last year. You know, I was sideline reporting for the pregame show, and when I saw Joe Burrow run out, you know, I saw man, he he gave new meaning to the word steely-eyed look. You know, and you could see his intensity and he raised the level of play of everyone on that team because he processed quicker than everybody else on the field. And I think that's what we're seeing right now out of Kyle Trask. I mean, he is simply processing quicker and he'll take a sack. He'll throw the ball away because he knows the next down he's coming after you and and it never fails. And I, you know, I think he's doing more than game managing. I, and I give Mac Jones a ton of credit, you know, ton of credit. He is, man, he is, he makes the routine look easy. And I think there are a lot of guys who aren't as fundamentally sound and don't always hit the check downs or place balls, you know, downfield where they should be. Mac Jones is a master at those things, but there's only so much that he necessarily has to do in that offense. You know, they have a superior offensive line. They've got Najee Harris in the backfield. You've got stud receivers on the outside who can win one-on-one against anyone. You know, Florida, you know, they're they're still realizing how good this offense can be. You know, the offensive line has gotten better as the season has gone on. We've recognized talent in places and second and third string receivers and backs and tight ends that – you know, we didn't know we had, you know, in Florida. And I think seeing that, seeing that, 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 that recognizing of talent and seeing those, those weapons come alive and seeing how many different guys there are, you know, each game is a different guy who's got three touchdowns. I mean, you know, it could be Trevon Grimes, it could be Jacob Copeland, it could be Justin Shorter, you know, it could be Kyle Pitts and Kyle Pitts comes back and has three touchdowns. I mean, it's just, it's uncanny what this offense can do. And it's all centered and starts with Kyle Trask and you simply can't deny him. So in my book, by the time he gets to the SEC championship game, he will have already done enough to be crowned the Heisman trophy winner in my book. But I think because of how things are, people will want to see that matchup and see them head to head. I think Mm -hmm. even if Florida doesn't win the game, Kyle Trask is still going to get his and he still should be holding up that Heisman trophy at the end of the season. I love it. You answered my last question uh, with your last comment there. So, Kevin, um, again, we didn't really do a formal intro from you because, A, you don't need it, and, B, it's funny to get off good Florida State takes at the beginning. Um, I'm going to get it right this time. You're on CBS Sports. uh, But just let everybody know when they can watch you, where they can follow you, and all that stuff. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all verified accounts, Kevin Carter. Um, Kevin Carter underscore 93 um, CBS sports. You can catch me on Fridays on inside college football and also the S this week in the sec It's a weekly show. We do, 
but all day Saturday, uh, we'll, I'm, I'm in studio. So for a lot of the Mountain West and um, American games that we cover on, on CBS Sports Network, you'll catch me doing halftimes, but we will do a wrap-up show every week. We do a late show that re-airs on Sunday mornings before our that other pregame show uh, for the NFL gets going. So find me on CBS Sports. You can find us on Facebook for CBS Sports. The videos are there. They clip a bunch of things and uh, have us spitting knowledge. So tune in. I love it, man. Okay. Always enjoy watching you. Thank you so much for your uh, your time this evening. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. Y'all take care. Hey, and, it, and Kevin, I'll send you uh, where we're going to be in Atlanta. Maybe you can come swing by if you have some time on your hands. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, my, all right, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Happy holidays. Go Gators. Thank you. Go Gators. Gators. All right. Kevin Kevin Carter, always a great, always a GOAT, uh, but a legend on our show. So we appreciate you. Um, I used to like Derrick Mason until Kevin Carter gave his breakdown of him. Now, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know if I like him anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like how he broke that down. I, I do think it's interesting timing, though. I don't know what Vanderbilt gets out of firing him now. Um, I don't think that they're going to be the hottest job. I think that there's still a bunch of jobs that are going to be open. So I don't, I don't know what they get out of it uh, now. But I think they see uh, Franklin may need a job, so, job, so they're kind of like preparing him a nice welcome, welcome back party. Okay, there's worse places than living in Nashville, Tennessee. I'll tell you what. Well, if he keep losing games, he may have his old job back. I tell you that. Shout out to Ben Franklin. <laughs> Shout out to Ben Franklin. All right, James Franklin. Sorry about that. Uh, well, let's get Franklin too. Yeah, big, big fan. <laughs> uh, thanks for buying. Uh, <laughs> let's give a shout out to our friend Lee Friedland, the law firm of Friedland and Associates. Before we get into this Tennessee breakdown, uh, Lee Friedland is going to handle auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, and personal injury cases in every jurisdiction within the state of Florida. Give him a call at 1-800-95-INJURED and visit his website, yourfighthourbattle.com. Lee's a really good dude. I've really gotten the chance to get to know him over the last few months. Uh, really down-to-earth guy. You're going to really enjoy talking to him. Big Gator fan. Uh, went to UF undergrad. Went to UF law school. Loves uh, giving back, but he's a really good guy. So, again, give him a call at 1-800-95-INJURED or yourfighthourbattle.com. Uh, Florida is playing the SEC uh, game of the week, I believe, at 3.30 on Saturday against Tennessee. Tennessee is 2-5. and five. They started the season 2-0. and oh have lost their last five games. Their last game uh, was a loss to Auburn 30-17. They didn't play this last week because of some SEC scheduling uh, changes. Um, But I forgot who it was. I think it was either Cam or Spencer before the show said that Derek Mason, who was fired from Vanderbilt, only had one winning record against an SEC opponent, and it happened to be Tennessee. So shout-out to Derek Mason uh, for carrying that torch as well. But – Florida is playing a dismantled team uh, who is missing at least one starter for, from COVID uh, and has a number of other folks in the contact tracing uh, program is right now. So they definitely won't even be at full strength either. So your b- boys' thoughts on the game? Um, Tennessee is who we thought they were. Um, there's no way around about it. Um, they got a few recruits in the offseason and it was uh, walking around with their chest out there and they were beating their chest and, um, you know, Thought this shit didn't stink and, you know, got two decommits in a week, I think I read. So, uh, yeah. you know, they lost the last five games and uh, that's, that's the place where we can go in and, and handle business. Uh, it's going to be a little chilly out. 
Um, so, so that'll be interesting to see how we can play in the cold weather. But uh, ultimately, I think the guys should win. As bad as Tennessee has been, our defense is ranked like the same same area as their defense. So mm-hmm. that goes to tell you a lot about our defense, right? <laughs> um, sure. I think we could beat the crap out of Tennessee no matter what. You know, the, these are just one of those games where, um, I mean, Kevin Carr talked about them throwing out the kitchen sink to us. But, I mean, this kitchen sink is not going to be enough to even make it a game the, first, the whole first half, in my opinion. Um we should be able to control the line of scrimmage in this game as well. I just want to see the defense not be, look confused. Can we keep, can we get one complete game of just like getting lined up on time, not looking confused, just looking like a competent defense? I don't think that's a lot to ask for, man. So um, that's what I want for this game. I know we're going to win that game. I just want to see us look competent on defense the entire four quarters. Yeah, uh, so you said it. Tennessee is bad. They're only averaging 20.1 points per game. That's 10th in the, pardon me, 11th in the SEC. Uh, Really, really struggle. Kyle Trask has more touchdown passes this season than Jared Garantano's had in his entire career. I know that they were talking about Harrison Bailey playing. That's fine. Um, He has very few snaps this season. Didn't look exceptionally sharp. Tennessee is just not a great team this year. They never really were. Uh, but they always get hyped up before uh, the season. I'm not really worried about this game uh, very much when it comes to rushing the ball. Uh, Their average, Eric Gray, their sophomore running back, uh, leads the team with 651 yards uh, per carry. Not a super explosive guy. Uh, But, again, I think for them, um, you know, Jared Guarantano is – you know, 103 for 166, has six touchdowns, uh, four interceptions. Harrison Bailey, 14 for 23, 175 yards, two interceptions. Uh, just not very good. They, they, they struggle passing the ball. Uh, they're not very good on defense as well. Like we talked about, Florida isn't great on defense either, but at least Florida has the offensive firepower. They just need to come in. Um, it is going to probably be a cold game. I believe it snowed in Knoxville today, uh, so it's still going to be a cold game up there on, on Saturday and you just got to keep your head in the game. You win this game, you're guaranteed in the sec championship. And that's exactly where you want to be at this point in the year. Yeah. This Tennessee brought uh, breakdown is brought to you by Brown insurance and financial services. Anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys. My man, Greg is the best of the best in the customer service and the insurance field. Nine, five, four, five, eight, nine, two, two, zero, four. He cover home auto rental insurance, any life insurance policies that you may need. Nine, five, four, five, eight, nine, two, two, zero, four. Big coverage. Yeah, I just don't see a way Tennessee can make this a game. Um, but like I said, I want to see uh, – I, I don't know if we want to unleash any plays, but I would like to see more Emory. Emory threw a touchdown last game. Um, I like the, I like the slant route. He could have led uh, – I'm trying to remember. Was that Rick Wells on that catch? I believe so. Shout out to Vari. I think he could have led him a little better for uh, and, and, and for the receiver could keep running, kind of like the Kyle Pitts throw. Um, but overall, I like the throw by Emory there. Um, I was I wasn't mad at his usage this past game. Um, yeah, like Amar said earlier, I would like to see us get in the end zone in that game with, with either one of those guys. But I just want to see the young boys play, man. Mix up my offensive line. Give me a competent defense. None of these games matter. I mean, we're pretty much lining ourselves up for the Bama matchup. That's where it's at right now. So. It's fine tuning things and getting better every week up into Atlanta, man. Peaking at the right time. That's the goal. 
Yeah. Um, Ahmad, I want to get your thoughts. Anything that you've seen? Um, I, I think I know your answer. Is anything that you see in Kentucky that worries or uh, pardon me, in Tennessee that worries you at all? Um, not, not too much. Uh, we, we just talked about the quarterback, um, in their passing game. Um, it, you know, is is abysmal. It's not, it's not very good. Um, with, with it being cold out, uh, I predict them to probably try to run a little bit more. Um, so we got to buckle down on our run defense and, uh, and try to stop, stop their run and make them try to pass the ball. Um, ultimately that, that, uh, that uh, work in our favor. What else do you guys want to see from our offense or, or defensive side of the ball? Silk, I know that you said on defense you want to see them lined up. I know you want to see them play a complete game. Is there anything else that you want to see um, or, or build off of that hasn't already been talked about? I just want, I just want to see shake. I just want to see something shook up on the offensive line. Like, like give me a new, give me a new starting five. Like, mix some things up. Um, we kind of know what we're gonna get out of everybody on offense. We know we're gonna get out of Kyle Trask. We know we're going to get out of Gene DeLance. Good or bad, we know we're going to get out of certain guys. So uh, give me some new faces at certain spots, man. I know it's beating a dead horse, keep saying the same yeah. thing. But I think that's the only way we're going to get ready for Atlanta is to, is to get some new faces in there and try to get some, you know, some better push up front. So um, stop giving up all the sacks and, and the whiffs. So let, let, let's mix it up a little bit, bro, because uh, Bama's coming knocking, man. What you got, Amon? I'm just saying, man, we, we got to stop the, the the plays that's passed, you know, 20 yards, you know, the big plays. And um, I think if we can, um, you know, get a better handle on that, we, we can we can, we can keep guys out the end zone and, and, and even three points, man. And uh, you know, especially a team like Bama, you know, they, their big plays, man, come from, from Mac Jones stretching the field um, with, with number six and eight, you know, deep down the field. So we get a better handle on stopping those deep plays, um, ultimately playing the ball better in the air when the ball's in the air. Um, getting pressure on the quarterback, um, you know, things that, that, that make the defense better, uh, you know, um, containing the defense, not letting uh, tall sweeps and outside passes get hit the sideline. Um, we'll be okay. You know, I, I don't see too many teams stopping it, hardly anybody on offense. Yeah, Jared Cantano is quick math here while you guys were talking, 23 of 58 for balls over 10 yards uh, with – Two interceptions, only one or five touchdowns, I guess, on, on those. Uh, but a couple looks like a couple of those were were freaky. Uh, the outside right past twenty yards. Or he's a he's definitely a predominant throw to the right side of the hash uh, type of court or corner or um, uh, pardon me quarterback. So uh, look out for that. I think that that's Kyer Elam's side. Uh, so they're going to probably shade to safety over there a little bit more often than not. Uh, Ahmad, I know that you said rushing. Uh, they move the ball decently well on the ground. It's not spectacularly um, on the ground, but they do. have to against us. I think I think that would be my game plan: is to control the control the clock, possess the ball, keep Kyle's trash off the field. Uh, and we it, saw what it, happened it, when when Tennessee or when uh, pardon me when Kentucky did it right. I mean, Florida only had five drives in the first half of that game, and one of them ended in a fumble, a couple ended in a punt. Um, so you're exactly right. If you can control the ball, I just I don't know if Tennessee has the ability to move the ball the way that maybe Terry Wilson did. No, they don't have the ability to beat us. They can possess the ball, but that, that's got to be their plan. Is my take? Yeah, so yeah. And, and what comes with possessing the ball is is them running. Uh, yeah, I, I can't see them just dropping back and trying to pass on us like that. And they're going to run inside the tackles. Almost, it looks like sixty or so percent of their their rushes come from inside the tackle, maybe seventy percent. So they're going to definitely favor, you know, right towards where Terrell Slayton is. Who so I want to give a shout out to him. I thought he played a really good game uh, against Kentucky as well. But uh, Tennessee just doesn't look like 
just doesn't look like a great team. And, you know, this is an opportunity for those guys, like you said, Silk, for your Trevis Johnson, who I think just because of that interception deserves more playing time only for that, because he's a guy that went after the ball, had it in his hands, or Kentucky had the opportunity to get that ball back, and he secured that ball right. uh, for for a full interception. That's that's what you want because the week before that against Vanderbilt, we saw Marco Wilson do the exact opposite thing, right? So it's a guy that wants to be out there, that wants to make the play uh, when the uh, when the opportunity's there. Um, I think also we need to work on our defensive line depth, uh, that rotation. It looks good when Slayton and and Campbell's doing their thing, but uh, outside of that, when we rotate out. I mean, we're we just going to need more depth than the starting four. You know what I'm saying? For us to make that next leap and be the Bamas and the Clemson of the world, we got to rotate in dogs. Like, we don't look, there's no drop off. Our drop off from, from uh, those starting two to the backups is, is tremendous right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to see what else. I want to give a shout out to uh, James Houston. I thought that he played a really good game. Want to see more out of him? He got busy. He got busy. He got busy. I was, I was surprised. Surprised, I guess, with an asterisk because nothing surprises me on defense uh, that Tyron Hopper didn't get uh, more playing time in that game uh, against Kentucky. Hopefully, we get the opportunity to see him because I hey, do think that he's a an incredible linebacker. Hey Dan, did you see that play with Diabate? I think it was. I think he ran out of quarterback. I sure did. Jeez, Luis. If he could put some weight on him, man, he's a he's a fantastic player. I just I struggle with his position. I'm going to struggle with his size. Yeah. yeah, I still don't think he's a middle linebacker. But nah. I mean, he, he made some plays there uh, this past Saturday, so it's hard to, to debate what they got going on. He could use another 10, 15 pounds for sure. For, for sure. sure. For sure. Um, who else? I think uh, I want to give a shout out. I think Josiah Pierre uh, played uh, a bit on uh, the other day as well, and I thought that he uh, that he played well. Um I'm trying to think of anybody else uh, that we that deserved shout outs or that I thought deserved more playing time. I do want to give a shout out to uh, you know the guys that did give a uh, that did get an interception and you know turn the ball over. You know that's something that we've talked about a lot, especially at the beginning of the year. We want to see more turnovers. We want to see the opportunity for Florida to be able to get the ball back, uh, and I think that they did that. Um, you know there were definitely some errant throws, but those are the ones that you have to get uh, when you have an opportunity to get them. So to shout out to those boys, I know. Uh, Sean Davis got one. I know Travis Johnson got one. And then I know that there was a, a third in there as well, who, whose name I'm forgetting right now. I just want to get a love to that was front. Four. Yeah, that, that front four, they need to figure some things, some things out and they run gap discipline in here and there because they're giving up some, some runs early. Uh, but that pass rush, when we get, when we can get teams in that third down, third along, that pass rush is looking a lot better than the day early in the season, man. Um, we don't have to blitz to get there to get home. So shout out to that front four of Brent Cox, Zach Carter, Kyrie Campbell, and Slate, man. All four of them boys is gunplay on Sundays. You know what, Silka, I, I was talking to somebody that knows the NFL draft just about as good as anybody is going to that doesn't work on a on a staff. I was talking to them about Zach Carter and about where he projects in the in the NFL. And the, this person actually actually recommended, and he's like, let me reach out to a couple people, actually thought that Zach Carter should come back again next season and really prove his position um, just because, you know, the beginning of the season he was stuck in that defensive tackle role uh, and to really allow him to show out next year. So I thought that that was an interesting take because I thought that Zach Carter was definitely a guy that was high on the draft boards that, that may not be as high as, as, as maybe we thought he would be. 
I think Zach Carr is going is a second round pick, man. Um, maybe third, but I don't think there's mm-hmm. no way he comes back. He's gonna test crazy. Um, he's gonna measure crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's flexibility because he held his own at defensive tackle, and he's defensive tackle size. Like he's bigger than Kyrie Campbell, right? Um, on paper. So I think like his flexibility, we know what he can do at his natural position. I think he's gonna make a lot of money. Um, yeah. If not slipping to the first round, my, I'm not a draft guy, but I got yeah. a second round type guy. Yeah, no, I, I I just thought that that was interesting. He said that the one player that really sticks out is Brenton Cox. Kind of agreed that he's kind of a, a one move type of guy right now. Definitely needs some polish. Um, but I did think that that was interesting on on Zach Carter. Florida is still tied uh, for first in the SEC in um, in sacks, and I believe uh, they're right up there. Yep, they're still number one for tackles for loss uh, this season as well. So you can definitely tell that defensive line, especially with Kyrie Campbell back, really is a is a game changing uh, defensive line. What else? Anything else, boys? Uh, yeah, man. Be sure to visit manscaped.com for the best of the best when it comes to man's grooming, man. Lawnmower 2 3.0. I keep 3. saying 3.0, and Dan's like, nah, dog, we got a 3.0. Tighten up. Shout out to the Lawnmower 3.0. Uh, no snag, not snagging the, the family jewels. You won't get electrocuted in the shower. It's waterproof. So it also could knock out two birds in one stone. You know what I'm saying? Shave them balls. And also, bathe them balls. It's all fluid with Manscaped.com. Uh, the weed whackers keeping the nostril clean and the earlobes clean. We're flowing over here. No ear hair, no nostril hair. It's great vibes. Uh, you don't think you need ball deodorant because it's getting a little cool outside. Spencer's up there freezing up in the northeast. We got a little break in the temperature down here, but you still got to keep that ball deodorant, man. Use coupon code SG at checkout, Manscaped.com. That'll get you 20, 20% off and free shipping. Yeah, it's Christmas time, so I don't think there's any better stocking stuffer than ball deodorant. Or, you know what, go with the Manscaped, go with the Lawnmower 3.0, get whatever you want. But I'm telling you, the ball deodorant will change your life. If you don't believe us, buy some. And if not, Ahmad has promised to personally reimburse you uh, for your order. Man, you can't wait to... to- it's almost December, so you can say it's Christmas time, Monday. Ahmad, it's Christmas time all the way around if you put your heart to it. Yeah, all right. And speaking of which, uh, end of the show, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Shit, uh, Home Alone or 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 Friday After Next. But I like I'm, Home I'm, Alone. My shit. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Which one though? Still. So- because I because they, 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 I'm, they, I'm a classic guy. Everybody like New York, but I'm the classic. I, I like I like the first one, but they lost me after the after the second one though. I don't know what. Oh yeah, about. new new people. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah I didn't do straight to Walmart. All nah. the Walmart joints didn't get no love, but yeah. I'm, I'm a home alone guy. But home alone my, my, is my joint. I'm I'm a, I'm gonna I'm throw you for a loop. I like Jingle All the Way. Ooh, mm-hmm. all right. So I'm a huge um huge Home Alone one and Home Alone two fan. I didn't want to go just different because you already said them. So I'm gonna go with the original Santa Claus. Uh, the Tim Allen one, mm-hmm. um, right, 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 right. Yeah, that one sticks nice. out to me as as one of my favorites. Do you guys think Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Die Hard is one of my. It's a, it's a Christmas mm. action, but it's definitely a Christmas movie for sure. Mm. Shout out to Bruce Willis. Ahmad, I've went to see a Die Hard on Christmas as a kid. So there you go. <clears throat> yeah, tell you what type of parents I, I had. We just <laughs> our flicks. Yeah, I don't think it's a Christmas movie. I just think it's a Christmas time movie. 
No, that's my no, take. I'm gonna take that to the internet. Well, well, that, that's, that's, what they say, that's what they say. That's what they say about Friday after next. But that's a Christmas movie, so I don't. You can argue with your mom about that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder what the timeline has to think. Spencer, maybe drop that uh, that poll. If is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I think a lot of people are gonna say yes because they feel like they have to. Um, but I don't think it's a Christmas movie. But we'll let the fans decide, I guess. I think this Christmas is another Christmas movie. Uh, I remember it's one that me and my family like to watch, man. I can't remember right now, but um, you guys like a Christmas story? I used to as a kid, but not no more. You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of boring now. When I was a kid, I don't know why I thought I was so entertaining, but as a grown man trying to watch it with my son, it didn't slap right. Yeah, it just doesn't slap the same. I went to the the house that it was filmed at. I was in, in Cleveland for work for a few weeks, and you run out of things to do in Cleveland in about two and a half hours. So I went there because it's like one of their main attractions. I got to meet the not the main character, what his name, Ralphie's little brother, Frankie. Um, he's there. He's he's hanging out. So we got to chat a little bit. But I used to like it. I think growing up, and even as I got older, I liked it. But I just think it's too too played out now. It's always on, and like it just doesn't. The jokes don't resonate anymore. I don't know. Right. I guess when we was a kid watching it, it was kind of like it just came on. It wasn't like this big to thing. Like like you said, it's like a little played out now. Yeah. But um, I think the pictures and the memes sting more than the actual uh, movie. The movie didn't age well. It did not age well. Shout out to Christmas Vacation, too. Very funny. Very funny. All right, guys. I think that's the, uh, the end of our show. Um, who's got the song of the week? Is it a mod? Is it me? Or did you have it last week? I don't remember. I got. I had it last week. It's mine. Okay, I'm mine. Hold on one second. Let me grab my phone. Hold on one second. Don't, don't play it. I'm mine. Nah, I ain't gonna play it. I gotta see what what I got. Hold on. Holy crap! I'm so glad you found it. The setting on that mic, man. You sound crisp. I, I, I sound. I sound real, real crisp. Crisp. Yeah, man. You sure do. Tennessee Mike's gonna appreciate that. Hey, big shout out to Tennessee Mike. He uh. He got us some hookup on some uh, some cheaper hotel rooms in downtown Atlanta. So always shout out to Tennessee Mike. Give him a follow. Friend of the on. show, friend of the show, Tennessee Mike six one five. What it do? Uh, oh, oh, also, why Ahmad's doing that? Remember, we do. I uh, have a bunch of new stuff on our uh, on our website, stanymiguel.com slash shop. A bunch of you guys have. I think we sold twenty. 25 shirts over the last couple of days um, through Black Friday and everything else. So visit there. It's Christmas time. You know that your kids want Stadium and Gale stuff. Your significant other does. Your parents definitely do. Um, so shout out to anybody and everybody that has been buying our merchandise. We really appreciate it. More is coming soon. And then as always, we still are on Patreon. You get the show the second we're done recording and editing it. Um, so visit our Patreon, patreon.com slash stadium and Gale. If you do want to support that way, uh, we are working on some things uh, for those folks as well. So shout out to everybody that has been a loyal Patreon member as well. Also, uh, December 5th, this Saturday, pulling up, uh, we're at the, the Kush House, the Big Three Roll-Up Network Studio. Uh, we're doing a, a clothing, clothing drive with toys. And I'm sorry. We're doing a clothing drive with clothes to kids. Um, any old clothes, any old shoes that you or your kids may have laying around, bag them up, bring them to us. And uh, we're collecting uh, clothes for kids that are in need. Uh, December 5th, the address, if you're in the Orlando area or in the City of Florida area, you want to swing by. It's 4629 36th Street, Suite 800. 
We're located located about a mile and a half away from the Millennium Mall, man, right off I four off of I four on the Conroe exit. So pull up. We'll be there Saturday all day, um, about from eight to five. You know what, Silk? I, I love where your location is. I'm just upset that they put cones in front of that turn, uh, that little shortcut. Turn. Oh, they they they, uh, they heard about us. I, I, somebody else working in that street was like, I think they heard about you guys, man. You guys just keep jumping that little. That little illegal easy, turn right easy. there, yeah. My my two times doing that definitely didn't set off any triggers, but uh, but again, uh, we are going to be uh, in Atlanta, um, Big Sky on Friday, Trap Music Museum, Park Bar, and Fado on Saturday. But support absolutely the Big Three Roll Up Clothing Drive. There's a link on their website that you can click and donate money. If you have trouble finding that or you don't know where to go, feel free to hit our DMs and we'll definitely point you in the right direction. But it's an unbelievable cause. Uh, and I know that you guys did some great work last uh, year, and I'm excited to see what you guys do this year. Big excited, big excited, man. Um, same corner, same time, fellas. As always. Yeah. yeah. Yo, Cam, take us out with the Lil Wayne No Ceilings 3, BB King Freestyle featuring Drake. I know that one. Let's go, let's go. Hey. The blues is now kicking and dinner is three Michelin. I don't eat red meat, but still got beef sizzling. Know that I need discipline. I keep singing for all these hoes. They keep listening. Niggas love to bro up with the boy and that fishes, but we are not equivalent, dog. I've been the only child, don't need siblings. And I'm past him like the times that he's living in. Okay. Man. If you saw what I flew here, you'd be like, he's sickening. If you're not running some top, we not going to keep kicking it. Hey, the blues is now kicking and dinner is three Michelin. I don't eat red meat, but still got beef sizzling. Know that I need discipline. I keep singing for all these hoes. They keep listening. Niggas love to bro up with the boy and that fishes, but we are not equivalent, dog. I've been the only child, don't need siblings, and I'm past him like the times that he's living in. Okay. Man, if you saw what I flew here, you'd be like, he's sickening. If you're not running some top, we're not going to keep kicking it. Classics, I keep scribbling. Lights in the universal building just keep flickering. Money just keep coming in. You would think I'm Irish the way that it stays doubling. I could feed a country with the tax that I paid governments. Whatever they're doing with my cash is very troubling. Okay. February came around, I used to get paid shoveling, sold clothes, walk dogs, trust me, I stayed hustling. When it came to school, there's no way that I'm A-plusing it, so I just dropped out of it. Trust me, I'm not proud of it. Niggas get too comfy in they spot, they get knocked out of it. Niggas get a gun just so they can make props out of it. Shorty make a scene in the house, she get locked out of it. Yeah. You not about to be chillin' in this bitch with kick feet up I'ma make you bounce out this hole like Big Frida Pito used to throw a purple tin on a two-liter First private plane I ever rode was an eight-seater Before that I got the bedroom high with a space heater On top of that I didn't have shit to my name either That's real But now I'm giving house tours till it's back to world tours Play that mask off when they find a real cure I may not be good for it, but I'm real tour Got no time for but give Rich a meal tour. That's the only way I know how to express love. My dogs love sticks and drums like they quest love. All them jokes about Aubrey, they got me messed up. For real. I come with a lot of complications inside me. It's always people misleading me that are trying to guide me. 
Everyone wants to try me, but no one wants to buy me. Everyone wants to meet me, but no one wants to keep me. Everyone talking lemons when everything is peachy. Everyone got their hands out and it ain't to reach me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone got their glass out, let's drink too easy. Every nigga that stemmed me down just came to see me. Chopping up a little cash cow, that steak I'm eating. Check deposits, high rises with extra closets. The sex platonic, I talk intelligent, taxi bonics. The electronic guitars whining, that's just Nirvana. Tommy gun on the counter, I call it Mr. Thomas. Daddy keep niggas honest, I'm dozing off in the driver's seat cause the seat get massages. That's some more point money, these numbers too steep for commas. I'm out of Iowa niggas, I can't help but to see beyond them. Got a two-seater problem, niggas thinking they cold, I knock the flu season out them. Bitches forget they hoes and that's when Tunchi remind them. I used to fuck Gucci models, I'm fucking Gucci designers, I keep it 2G regardless. I'm getting too deep for divers, let me resurface, I'm flexing on purpose. She especially curvy, bet she be serving every purpose. Perfect, I'm better than perfect, I'm sick, I need to see a medical person eating all of these rappers with these edible verses all i gotta be is all that i can possibly she really really into me then suck it all about of me i'm proud of me i don't know how to be sorry apologies you fucking with my mat you better know some trigonometry because i'ma be busting leave your llama bean at your mama feet i flip the economy like dominique dawes they say i'm tripping i guess they wishing i finally fall i don't need war i need a bitch that know i'ma need yours i'ma need more niggas is shifty like honda accords fire alarm ain't got no ceilings we climbing the walls higher than y'all's I fuck your bitch and she die in my arms lying has roared no ceiling street with my mind on the floor holla at your board this that BB King Little Wayne featuring Drake classic shit DJ Khaled no ceilings three Little Wayne